Welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. My name is Doug. I'm a pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church. We're based out of Shelton, Washington, a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can learn more about faith at our website, www.faithshelton.org. This is the fourth and final Sunday in Advent 2022. Thanks so much for listening today. Today we tell the the Christmas story as recorded in Matthew chapter 1. Admittedly, this account lacks the manger, the angel choirs, and the shepherds watching over their flocks by night. We hear about those in the more familiar account from the Gospel of Luke. On the other hand, Matthew does give us a concise summary of why Christmas is such good news. Mary will bear a son, the angel tells Joseph, and you will give him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Christmas celebrates the birth of the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So let's read the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. We'll set a little bit of context, define a couple of terms, then imagine what it means that Jesus saves us. And we'll think about Jesus as a tragic hero, as a romantic comedy lover, and finally as, oh, I don't know, Iron Man in the final battle with Thanos. We begin with the reading from Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. Now this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she had given birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The story of the birth of the Savior Christ the Lord begins with the angel of God appearing in a dream to a man named Joseph. Don't be afraid, the angel says. Don't freak out. Then the angel gives him a little heads up about what's going to go down. Your girlfriend is preggers, and you're not the father, and that's okay. This is God's doing. Go ahead and marry her, the angel says. And when the baby's born, name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And so that's exactly what Joseph does. Now I could preach a whole sermon about Joseph. Do you remember that that there's a Joseph in the Old Testament to whom God spoke in dreams? God used the first Joseph to provide for and protect his family during a severe drought. Matthew connects the dots. He connects this Joseph to that one. That Joseph was a dreamer. This Joseph is a dreamer. In fact, he's a migrant worker who crosses borders, flees government officials in the middle of the night, and does whatever he can and needs to do to provide for and protect his young wife and her son. Joseph, 
in this story is a resilient, hard-working, God-fearing man who instills these same values in his stepson, God's only begotten son, the boy with the name Jesus. You shall give him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is the Greek version of the name Jeshua or Joshua. And and, uh, in the Hebrew, the name means Yahweh saves. Yasha is the Hebrew word for to save. The sense of it is to bring into abundance, to be placed in freedom. So in the Old Testament, there's there's a leader named Joshua. And he succeeds Moses. Um, Moses had led God's people out of, of uh, slavery in Egypt. And then Joseph comes along, or, and then, I'm sorry, and then Joshua comes along, and he leads and delivers them into a spacious, abundant existence, a land flowing with milk and honey. Joshua commands the armies that go into battle to defeat the enemies of God. This is the Joshua from the old Sunday school songs, if you remember those, the one who fit the battle of Jericho. That's the Old Testament Joshua, Jeshua. Well, in the Greek, in the New Testament, uh, the word is sozo. And this word uh, adds a sense of keeping safe, of healing. So Jesus, the name which means God saves, Jesus' earthly ministry involves all sorts of sozo saving activities, healing the sick, forgiving sins, casting out demons, feeding the poor. On more than one occasion, Jesus tells a person that their faith has sozoed you. Your faith has saved you, healed you, protected you. And now, uh, the language of being saved or salvation, it's shorthand for the good news of the Christian faith. To say that I'm saved is to proclaim my confidence in the mercy of God, the assurance that my sins are forgiven, that I'm going to go to heaven after I die. This is the assurance of Mark chapter 16 when Jesus says, whoever believes and is baptized, in no particular order, by the way, shall be saved. I think about the newly dunked, escaped convict testifying in that old uh, George Clooney movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? The preacher done told me all my sins have been washed away. So this is the setting for Matthew chapter 1. Joseph, the angel says, Mary, your fiancé is preggers. She's going to give birth to a son, God's son. And you're going to give him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so like the old Joseph, God has entrusted this Joseph with the job of providing for and protecting his family. And his son, um, like the old Joshua, this new Joshua, Jeshua, Jesus, will lead his people out of slavery and out of the wilderness into a spacious and abundant new life. He will sozo his people, save them, heal them, and rescue them. Well, who exactly are his people? Even Jesus appears to wrestle with the scope of his work during his earthly ministry, wondering at one point if his role as a savior might be limited to the lost sheep of Israel. But by the end of his ministry, Jesus understands that that his work is at a global level. His death and resurrection will draw all people to himself, it says in John chapter 12. For Jesus had not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it, to save us, to save us from our sins. Now, if our sins are what Jesus came to save us from, what exactly does that mean? How do you understand sins or sin? 
Chances are you think about sin in one of two or three ways, and each one of these is a, is a facet of the problem and the power of sin in our lives. And so that means that salvation from our sins also has at least three facets, lenses, three ways of making sense of what it means to say that Jesus saved us from our sins. Years ago, I learned this in a book uh, read by a 20th century Christian theologian and author, Frederick Buechner, great writer. Uh, And he says that the gospel, the good news that we preach and proclaim, is part tragedy, part comedy, and part fairy tale. So let's break that down a little bit. Um, What is sin and what is salvation from our sin? So we're going to think about Jesus as Kevin Costner, as Julia Roberts, and as Iron Man. Stay with me on this one, okay? And then, first of all, tragedy. In the one sense, our sins are behaviors that dis- disobey God's commands, right? We sin against God in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. That is to say, our words, our actions, our choices, they are sinful. And so, as sin, they harm, oppress, hurt, or rob my neighbor, or God, or even myself. Sin is disobedience to God, and there's a, there's a cost to my sin, a penalty, a price to pay for my crime, for my wrongdoing, uh, a price to pay to God, a price to pay uh, to, to my neighbors in the world. So there's a, a tragic sense of the gospel, that, that Jesus saves us by paying the price for our sins. He's Kevin Costner, the bodyguard, who takes the bullet to save the life of Whitney Houston. Or, or there's a bank robbery with hostages, and Jesus then is the hostage negotiator who secures the freedom of the hostages by offering himself instead. The world is hostage to sin, captive to sin, and Jesus comes to earth to save us, to negotiate our release, finally offering himself on the cross in exchange for our freedom. And so the price is paid, our sins are forgiven, our guilt is washed away. Jesus has saved us from our sins, but oh, the price he has paid. Jesus is our Savior, the tragic hero. Sin can also be understood as the tendency in our human nature not to simply disobey God, but to fundamentally reject or oppose God and God's will for our lives. No thank you, we say. We don't need your handouts, God. We're just fine without you, God. We like to quote St. Francis of Sinatra, I'll do it my way. Sin, in this sense, is separation from God, a rejection of God's advances. It's saying no to God's invitation. Well, if that's the, if that's the power of sin, then salvation in this sense is like a romantic comedy. Pick your favorite romantic comedy. You know, in every one of them, there's, the one character finally wins over the heart of the beloved, Julia Roberts and Richard Gere in Pretty Woman, When Harry Met Sally, Sleepless in Seattle, or Jerry Maguire, You Had Me at Hello. Jesus comes to earth to woo us and all humanity. He shows us what life and the kingdom can be, full of manna and mercy, justice and compassion. And yet, again and again, throughout the movie of our life, we resist, we reject him. But finally, at the end of the movie, when we see Jesus on the cross making the ultimate sacrifice for us, we are finally won over. We drop our guard, we loosen our tie, and we begin running down the street to stop her from going to the airport or from marrying the other guy. 
No more running around chasing after false love because Jesus has proposed to us on bended knee and we have said, yes. And this is what salvation is. And nothing can separate us from his love ever again. Salvation is a romantic comedy. Jesus is the lover and we are beloved. He had us at peace be with you. And then there's a third understanding of sin. Sin is also the enemy of humanity, the foil of God. Sin is part of that that unholy trinity of sin, death, and the devil that wants to undo us. Sin is the diabolical, evil, insidious force, even person, that actively works against God and against us. Sin wants to drive a wedge between each other, between us and God. Sin wants, us to, wants to make us doubt God's mercy and despair at the human condition. Scripture says that evil uh, prowls like a lion seeking to devour us. We know this from experience, right, as well. When we're most anxious, when we're most vulnerable, inebriated, or alone, that's when our minds and our feet and our imaginations wander, right? That's when we're most susceptible to temptation, In those moments, if we don't pray, we are prey, right? You know how every once in a while just the wrong thing happens at just the wrong time? Folks, spiritual warfare is real, and only a miracle can save us. And so the gospel here is a sort of fairy tale, not in the sense that it's a made-up story, but in the sense that, like the comics or like a fairy, the characters are all larger than life. The dangers are more dangerous, and the crisis has universal implications. So Jesus enters a world in bondage to the power of sin. He's foiled at every turn, but when everything is at its most bleak, when Jesus is on the cross, the disciples scattered, God pulls off a stunning upset. It's the flea flicker Hail Mary that wins the Super Bowl with three seconds left on the clock. It's the two-run home run that wins Game 7 of the World Series in the bottom of the ninth inning with two strikes and the devil throwing heat. It's Iron Man stealing the Infinity Stones just before Thanos, that name means death, by the way, can snap his fingers. Sin, death, and the devil. They thought they had Jesus cornered on the cross, pinned at his own gold line, dead to rights. But it turns out death's grip wasn't as tight as they thought, and Jesus slips out. The power of sin falters. Grace, not karma, wins the day. Jesus swings for the fences, and the devil can only watch as the ball soars over his head, over center field, to score the winning run and secure the World Series for the home team. And we all live happily ever after. The gospel as tragedy, comedy, and fairy tale. Jesus as Kevin Costner, Julia Roberts, and Robert Downey Jr.? Anyway, Mary will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Thinking about the good news of our salvation as tragedy, comedy, and fairy tale can help us understand the different facets of what sin is and how Jesus saves us can also help us avoid the trap of trying to over-explain salvation through a single lens. Let me just tell you as an example. After all, if salvation, we want to think of it as a hostage exchange, then you start, if you start asking too many questions, you start saying, well, who's negotiating with whom? 
Pretty soon you have these people imagining that God the Father is somehow holding the world hostage and Jesus the Son is having to convince his dad to take his life instead of theirs. It's just wrong at so many levels. Likewise, rom-coms and fairy tales, they have their limits as well. Because salvation is more than sentimentalism or falling in love. And so much of our salvation takes place at the very mundane, ordinary tasks and choices of this life, not just something that happens at world's end. But taken together, we can appreciate, trust, and proclaim the good news of the Savior, who is Christ the Lord, how Jesus gives his life for ours, how he pays the price for our mistakes, how we can fall in love all over again as Jesus woos us with his irresistible and unconditional love, how we can put our hope in Christ to save us. We can cheer him on and celebrate the high stakes overcoming all odds, never saw that coming victory of Jesus over sin, death, and the devil. Merry Christmas, (laughs) y'all, for unto us a son is given, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening, everybody. Next week is Christmas, so I want to thank all my listeners, both of you, (laughs) a very Merry Christmas and a happy and blessed New Year. To learn more about faith, go to our website, www.faithshelton.org. While you're there, you can like us, subscribe, donate, sign up for our newsletter, subscribe to this podcast on those podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple, and Google. Thanks all year long for Chaz and Nadia for your production and tech support for this podcast. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you this Christmas season and give you peace. The Lord look upon you with favor and be with you always to the end of the age. Amen. (laughs) 